Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast is brought to you by Kyle's Kitchen. Kyle is on a mission to help feed special needs families during the coronavirus pandemic and has already donated over 1,000 meals to local special needs families. Kyle has created a GoFundMe campaign to help feed even more families. Every single dollar raised will be matched by Kyle's family for up to $10,000 so they can double the impact and make a greater difference. Please visit kyleskitchen.com slash back to recommend a special needs family to receive a free meal. You can donate to the GoFundMe campaign and you can help spread the word about this giving back program. During these uncertain times, Kyle and the Gauchos are doing their part to give back to the community. All right, happy Wednesday, everybody. Today we got Andy Graham. Andy was a pitcher for the Gauchos in 2004, 5, and 6 under Coach Bronsima. And we sat down and talked about his new business, Paradise Bowls, and uh, reminisced about some fun series that they had. And also uh, the great Chris Mallet game. I mean, the first time I heard that story, it, it really touched me. And we celebrated that day a couple years ago at the ballpark. So uh, Andy gives his take on, the, on that Chris Mallet game. So uh, sit back, and here is Andy Graham on this Wednesday. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell belts this to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Here's the 0-2 pitch. And a curveball is swung on him. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Big West. All right, today we got a special guest. Well, they're all special guests, really, in my eyes and in the eyes of the program. But today, a special guest. He's uh, a former pitcher for the Gauchos, played in 2004 to 2006 out of Torrance. He's tied for sixth all-time and career starts with 42, threw over 248 innings in his Gaucho career, and he was a 21st-round pick by the Colorado Rockies in 2006, currently the owner of Paradise Bowls in various locations in Southern California. Please welcome to the Gaucho 9 podcast, Andy Graham. Andy, what's going on? Kev, uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here, uh, and I appreciate you using the word special for me after you've had guys like Skip Schumacher and, and Shane Bieber and Dylan Tate on the show already. I, I feel very honored. Well, it, it's a privilege for me to have you here and to, and to talk to you and talk about Gaucho baseball and talk about life after baseball, although before we went on, you said, well, you, there's never really life after baseball. It's always baseball, and you're one of those guys that's baseball through and through. I mean, you, we see it every year at alumni weekend and this year was no exception. Uh, can you explain the pants decision with yeah. you and Matt Anderson? The, the yellow pants. Yeah, that was, <clears throat> that was a, a brain concoction of my good friend, Matt Anderson, uh, who was one of my teammates at UCSB. Uh, truth be told, I was originally under the impression that we would each be in yellow pants. Uh, and then he switched it up on me and got himself that pair of blue pants. So he blended in a lot more than I did. Uh, and of course, I had to stand out there on the mound all by myself while he got to throw on some catchers here and hide in between an umpire and, and someone trying to hit. So 
Uh, thanks, Matt, for that. But uh, the yellow pants, I, I suppose they were a hit or, or they were the worst thing you've ever seen. I don't know that there's much in between on, on what happened there. Well, in my opinion, I, I thought they were a hit. I thought that was I thought it was great because, I mean, it, you are a, a colorful person and you enjoyed your time at UCSB and you like to, to bring some fire to every alumni weekend that you attend. And this was just you know, the, it, the next you thing. You don't get to come back all as often as you want ever uh, once you leave UCSB. And so when you do come back, you got to do it the right way and on your own terms, you know. I know the team uh, back in the 80s wore, had the nice yellow uniforms. When I was on campus, we lobbied bronze to bring back the yellows, and it never happened. Uh, so I guess you got to take advantage of being allowed to do what you want when you're an alum. That's well said. I'd love to see yellow uniforms, a throwback day. I'm, throwback. I'm all about it. Why not? <laughs> I'm all about it. Well, so so going through your stats, and this is, I mean, it's like opening up a – it's like opening up a door deep into your past that you might want to remember parts about and maybe you don't want to remember certain parts, but did you know that you're tied for fourth all time and hit batters in a season with 17? <laughs> uh, I did not know that, but uh, I'll take it gladly. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, I used to kid uh, Coach Bronze that he didn't try hard enough to get me to come back from my senior year, so maybe he should have told me I had a shot at the record if I had spent one more season <laughs> on campus. You, you weren't all that far away. I think you made it needed like two or three more. Yeah, well, you know, Kevin, if you can't pitch inside, you can't pitch. So, <laughs> well, that's, that's one thing Bob said, cause I, I went to work on you a little bit and went to Bob and, and he said that you did like to pitch inside and I, it's, it's a hard thing to do. The guys that can do it now and do it effectively are really good, but it's also something that's part of the game where maybe at the professional level where you don't see guys pitching inside all that often. You know, you, you look at just the game in general, whether it's uh, at the professional level, uh, big leagues or the minor leagues or at the college level, it's just something you have to do. And it's gotten harder and harder to do, I think, uh, in the last maybe 10 or 15 years, uh, just looking at the history of baseball because of, I think, what you see guys wearing when they're hitting now. They have the big elbow pads, they've got the shin guards, they've got whatever else they're wearing uh, in terms of protection. And so they're not afraid uh, of an inside fastball uh, anymore, or at least as much as they used to be. Uh, so I think it's even more important to, to establish yourself on that inner half of the plate uh, if you're a pitcher, um, because you have to make guys think about it. And the more padding they wear and uh, the less afraid they are of being hit, you got to make sure they remember, Hey, I will come in there. And uh, just cause you have that big old pad on your elbow or on your shin doesn't mean I won't come in there. Well, in many ways, the uh, velocity is the name of the game nowadays. And back in 2004, when you were a freshman and I got this from Bob, he said that he saw a big spike in velocity between your freshman and sophomore years. Was that a big difference maker for you as far as being effective on the mound and contributing to your team? I think so. Um, if, any, if nothing else, uh, a spike in velocity is going to give you a sense of confidence when you're on the mound. And if you know as well as I do uh, with as much baseball as you've been around, Kevin, uh, you have to be confident when you're out there. If you're pitching scared, you're not going to pitch for very long. I don't care what level it's at. I think that spike in velocity, part of it was just some some natural growing up and maturation on my part uh, physically. Um, some of it 
you know, I had an elbow surgery after my freshman year. Uh, and I think just a little bit of time off after that surgery, uh, the rehab, just building up more strength uh, in the elbow and the shoulder coming back from that. Uh, really having a few months where I wasn't allowed to throw or lift weights uh, to really learn more about my mechanics, uh, learn more about pitching in general and what needed to be done to come back the right way uh, really helped. It helped me learn about the game. It helped me, you know, physically have a plan to do what I wanted to do physically when I was able to come back. Uh, so that spike in velocity was partly, I think, due to that, partly due to, like I said, you know, between your freshman and sophomore year, you're turning 19 years old, you're turning 20 years old. Uh, you're still growing up. You're still a kid. Uh, and so guys are going to get bigger and stronger. And um, some guys are going to see that spike and some aren't. And that's really also when I started the long toss. I'm still, I've been out of the game for a little while now, but I'm still a firm believer in long toss. I, I talked to, you know, high school players around here in the South Bay all the time. And uh, I tell them long toss, long toss, long toss. And when you've long tossed as much as you think you can, go do it some more. I, I When I pitched in high school, I, I was also a proponent of long toss. And I still think it is uh, super important. I mean, I'm no pitching expert. I'm the guy that just talks and, and uh, observes. But I know... Our pitchers currently long toss a lot, and yeah, you know, I know. I know Coach Texas is a big believer in it, and yeah. um, I think it helps. I I think it not only does it help with velocity, but it just helps with with shoulder and elbow health in general, um, because you're building up all these little muscles that are going to support the big muscles, if you will. Uh, and it's you know, I don't think you're ever going to make a career uh, off of throwing 60 feet and no farther ever. So in 0405 and 06, and I'm also a big believer in, in consistency and being a, a, an example or a good example, lead by example, that type of thing. And, and you were one of the models of consistency because you threw over 70 innings three years in a row. You made as many as 15 starts. So every week you're getting the ball and you're leading your team and you had some and I've, I've i've met these guys or interacted with them at alumni weekend but there's this kind of this core group of guys that you seem to be the leader of <laughs> during those years uh you talk about chad tracy and 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 martin and labeouf and anderson like those guys i mean what was that core group of guys like for those well, now, now that you've called me the leader of them, as soon as they all listen to this, they're going to text <laughs> me and tell me that, you know, that's full crap. But <laughs> um, yeah, those are still my best friends to this day. Um, spending four years and three seasons at UCSB with, with those guys. Um, we, I talk to some or all of them every day still, uh, even though we're all 34, 35, 36 years old now. Uh, even after spending uh, six years in, in pro ball, uh, my UCSB friends, that core group of guys are still my best friends to this day. And so uh, we all take a lot of pride in, in having played baseball at UCSB, um, especially considering kind of where the program was when we all stepped onto campus in you know, the fall of 2002 uh, as, as bright-eyed freshmen to where it is through our years there and where it is now. Uh, it's 
amazing to see the turnaround of the program. And we take a lot of pride in that. Um, we didn't do all the work on it. I'd like to think we contributed a little bit, uh, at least to the culture uh, of alumni. Uh, and I think that's important. It's important for the current squad to see uh, an excited alumni base uh, and see that they have our support. I mean, you look at, you were there in Omaha, Kevin, look at how many alums made that trip. Uh, and yeah, it's the College World Series. And so guys are going to go naturally, but look how many guys come back to alumni weekend every year. I mean, there's over, over a hundred guys in the golf tournament every year. We had a full dugout this year for the first game under the lights. Uh, and it's just, I think it's part of being a UCSB baseball player is that even when you, you graduate or you leave after you get drafted, you're still part of the program. And I think uh, Coach Bronsman did a good job of making us always feel welcome. Coach Checkets has done a good job. Uh, even though none of us actually played for him, he's done a, a fantastic job of making us feel like part of his program uh, and like we're welcome anytime. And, and I think you don't see that at every program in America. Uh, I have friends that from my pro ball days that have played at various, uh, and we're talking about big time programs, you know, UCLA, LSU, Texas, places like that, where they haven't been to an alumni game since they left. Uh, and, and so I think it's really unique to see what we have going on at UCSB in terms of uh, a packed alumni weekend every year, uh, alumni support. Uh, so it's really neat. And it, uh, if I need to be the, the leader of that core group that you mentioned, then uh, so be it. You've, you've been dubbed on the Gaucho 9 podcast. <laughs> well, when I arrived on campus and I came in 2012 as a, as a transfer student, and I really didn't know anything about UCSB other than that my dad went here in the 80s and there was a fire at a bank in IV somewhere, like, and there was a beach. Like, that's kind of all that I knew. And when I came, it maybe took me a, f a couple years to really learn about the program and understand, you know, what it means to people and what college baseball means to the guys that play or participate or coach. Like it's really a, a life changing experience. And as far as the alumni stuff goes, like you were the first person that I became aware of. I was like, Oh, that's Andy Graham. That's Andy Graham. <laughs> and I've, I'm, I maybe put you on this pedestal that I don't know, maybe you deserve it, maybe you don't, but from what it sounds like you do, because you're like the first person I see when I go to the social, you're the first person I see when I show up to participate in the, uh, in the golf tournament, like Andy Graham, you have this, this presence and that's definitely a, a contributing factor to how alumni weekend has grown and how this program has grown. And, uh, Speaking for the coaches in the, in, in the current department, like we thank you for everything that you've done and it's, uh, we hope to keep it going. Well, I appreciate that, Kev. Um, you know, I, I think I'm in a unique uh, position to where uh, being on campus from, you know, 03 to 06, uh, I kind of have a connection to both generations, if you will, in terms of uh, some of Bronsma's, Coach Bronsma's early teams uh, and, uh, some of Coach Sheckett's early teams where, you know, I'm close with guys like Jim Bullard and Keith Kelly and Ryan Spielborgs and, and Skip Schumacher and a lot of those guys from that 2001 team that was really uh, one of the better teams in the country that year uh, who uh, I, I think we're all a little bit upset when um, Coach Bronsma left, but 
uh, hopefully I help bridge that gap for those guys uh, to where they feel comfortable coming back now. And I think most of them do. Uh, and they've been around and I know you talked to Skip just the other day on the pod and uh, hopefully we get to see him back soon. I know he's busy with, with the San Diego Padres right now, but really that his whole era there with, with Ryan Spielborg's included. Uh, but I've also gotten to know guys from uh, some of Coach Sheckett's early teams, you know, Woody Woodward, Luke Swenson, guys like that. Uh, so it's been kind of neat to help bridge the gap between guys from, you know, 2001 through 2006 when I was there to, to 2009, 2010, 2012, like you mentioned when you came on the campus. And uh, it's fun to see uh, guys from the early 2000s really get to know and embrace guys from 2012 through 2000 now 2020 you know no it's been an absolute blast and and i love every minute of it and i also love going to that clubhouse and i love taking care of the batting cages in fact just kind of spent a whole day cleaning them out yesterday just trying to tidy things up for when we do get back to work but can you speak towards your parents and and your family's contributions to the program because listening to bob who was on the Up Up Olay podcast earlier this year talking about the contributions of the Graham family and how the additions of the clubhouse and the batting cages, you know, really are big reasons why Coach Tekets is here now and why the program is where it is right now because those are two staple things, at least as far as the, quote, arms race goes in yeah. college sports. I mean, those are must-haves basically. And I see that Graham clubhouse sign every day. And it reminds me of, of what this family has contributed to the program. Well, like you just said, uh, it's an arms race, uh, whether it's college baseball or any other collegiate sport, uh, you have to have good facilities. You have to have a good infrastructure. You have to have good, uh, institutional support and, you know, for anybody who was around in the early 2000s, uh, Caesar Wasaka Stadium was basically just the field. Uh, we had a, that tiny little clubhouse, which is now the players' room. We had uh, about 20 lockers for 35 guys in that room. Uh, and so most of us were sharing lockers. Uh, we didn't have the hitting facility uh, that we do now. We had one batting cage out there by the softball field that, we, that guys had to use. And so it just, the stadium lacked what most other, even Big West programs already had. Uh, and if you want to be competitive, uh, even from a recruiting standpoint as a coach, eventually you have to have things that you can show recruits. Uh, in a lot of ways, UCSB recruits itself, uh, especially when guy, high school kids and their families are driving up the 217 on the campus there. I mean, you look at Goleta Beach and uh, and the campus archway right there. A lot of guys are going to want to come to UCSB just because of that. <laughs> but then they get to the field and it's kind of like, oh, this is, this is the field. Um, it's really all it was. And so it was really more of identifying need as opposed to identifying want at the time uh, for my parents. They simply put, they wanted us to have what everybody else had already. Uh, on the West coast and even just within the big West, uh, you look at the other programs in the conference, Goodwin field at Cal state Fullerton is first class Blair field at long beach state is first class. Cal Poly had just 
built Baguette Stadium, which was brand new, and that's a first-class facility. And so UC Irvine had just built uh, their new ballpark, Anteater Ballpark, it was called at the time, and that's a first-class facility. And so it was either uh, you build it uh, and keep up with those guys, or you don't, and we're going to finish, you know, have the, the ninth or 10th best facility in the conference every year. And so uh, my parents, like I said, simply wanted us to have what those guys already had and already had to their advantage. Um, and I think, uh, I think it was a big difference maker, especially the clubhouse because we needed a place to take a shower simply <laughs> after practice or after Simple a game. Needs. We didn't have that. We were going home in our sweaty uniforms after a game back to our apartments in IV. And um, you shouldn't have to do that. I, I don't think when you're a division one athlete, um, you should have a real place to take swings in a batting cage. Uh, you shouldn't have to worry about spiders falling down or the nets falling down at any point in the middle of, of getting ready for BP. Um, and I think it became clear to my parents after a while that it just wasn't something the university was interested in doing themselves, not necessarily the athletic department. I know, I think there were people there who genuinely wanted to try and get those things done, but they weren't getting a lot of institutional support. Um, and so it became clear that someone was going to have to step up and kind of get it done on their own. Really. Um, that's, I'm not trying to, to take digs or anything at anybody from, from campus, but, um, they were in a position to where, uh, it had to get done on our own. And so that's kind of what they did. Yeah, and made it happen. And they've also are big contributors to the Lights Project, along with a handful of other people. There's a, a new plaque that's up on the on the old team rooms on the third base side. That's in appreciation to all the families. You mean the old locker room? To the uh, <laughs> to the uh, to the families that contributed to the to the Lights Project. Well, and then in the locker room too. I mean. Uh, in how it's evolved over the over the years, at least since I've been here, and, and the lockers are beautiful, the wood lockers, but with also selling the lockers and having names up on top. And so new recruits and freshmen walk in and they see guys, they see Andy Grams, they see the Skip Schumachers, they see Dylan Tate's, Shane Bieber's, like they see their names up on top of the lockers, you know, on a silver plaque, like it's it's so cool and it's it's such a, a cool way to bring everyone together and it's kind of a the clubhouse is what I'm speaking towards is is a a place that that gathers all the gaucho names together in one place and yeah and I think that's that's kind of another way where we have that unique alumni culture where whether absolutely. it's guys on the current team or recruits coming in on a visit they see uh, guys like you mentioned Skip Ryan Spielberg's Virgil Vasquez uh, guys that have gone on to have great careers in the big leagues, uh, but their name is still there at Caesar Osaka Stadium. They, they come around. Um, they're, you're going to meet those guys eventually if you become part of the program. And uh, I, I think it's another way that, you know, UCSB, the alumni culture is, is special. Okay, so moving on after your baseball career, you – and your brother, who you guys played one year together at UCSB, uh, both on the baseball team, of course. And now you have founded this this company called Paradise Bowls. Can you yeah. tell me about Paradise Bowls and how that got going on? Yeah, Paradise Bowls. So uh, for anybody in Santa Barbara who's listening, um, 
we owe a big debt of gratitude to the backyard bulls guys. Uh, they kind of help us get going. And so paradise bowls, we do acai bowls, patai bowls, and smoothies. We've got three locations uh, throughout Southern California. Now uh, Manhattan beach is our original. And then we opened another store in Hermosa beach and one in Irvine. And so three locations now, uh, probably more on the way. Uh, and it's, it's been interesting. It's been a wild ride. Um, it was something we just kind of just took a shot on, not really knowing what would happen. The concept I think was great and there was nothing like it in the South Bay, the beach cities at the time. And we saw it as a perfect product for, for the kind of lifestyle that exists in the South Bay with uh, the active community. Everybody's into healthy lifestyles and fitness, especially, you know, the volleyball players that are around in the beach cities, the junior lifeguards and, uh, we just took a shot. We figured, Hey, we'll try it for a year and see what happens. And we'll most likely have to find real jobs because it won't work. But, uh, we opened that first store uh, over eight years ago and here we are. So, uh, like I said, it's been a wild ride, small business. It's not always easy. Um, because you're never really off the clock, but, uh, we've learned how to deal with that and adapt and we've hired some great people to help us out. And it's, uh, it's been great so far. Well, it's great to hear. And I remember the last time that we were in Irvine, we paid a visit to the Irvine Paradise Bulls. And yeah, that was fun. We got to have the whole team come into this shop and and, yeah. and have a meal. And luckily, uh, I think you guys went down there and had a pretty good weekend at UCI after that. So uh, hopefully Coach Sheckitz will bring the team back at some point. It hasn't uh, deemed us a curse to any future games against the Anteaters. No, I know. I think we definitely will because – I love acai bowls and fruit bowls. Those are, and smoothies, of course, those are fantastic. Um, well, now that you're in business, I mean, what, what kind of lessons did you learn as a baseball player and maybe playing in, in professional ranks and, and, and working with different people and, and going through the baseball lifestyle? I mean, I covered a lot on my broadcast and I covered a lot already on, on this podcast, but just the, the baseball lifestyle and the, and the dedication that you have to have to your craft and and being consistent and working every day towards a common goal like what types of things that you learned as a baseball player help prepare you for being a business owner i think the number one is accountability uh, you look at baseball players uh, no matter what level whether it's high school or college or, or professional baseball uh, if you don't hold yourself accountable uh, and in terms of your craft you're not going to go out there and play well uh, and it's the same kind of thing. If we don't prepare, if we don't uh, bring in the right type of product, if we don't treat customers the right way, they're not going to come back and we're not going to have any business. And so uh, that's sort of number one. Uh, I think number two is <laughs> I go back to this also as a student in college, time management, especially as a uh, collegiate athlete, you better learn how to manage your time uh, from day one, your freshman year, because you've got not only class, but you've got morning weights, you've got afternoon practice, you've got the season where you're gone and you're not able to go to class. You're taking tests on the road. Uh, you're doing everything that a college student does plus being an athlete. So you basically have two full-time jobs uh, at the same time. Uh, and it's, just, it's really no different in small business because like I mentioned before, small business, you're never really off the clock if you're the boss. <laughs> Something's always happening. I got a call at 1030 at night the other night that the guy who comes in and, and sprays our store for insects at night couldn't get in. Uh, so I had to go down there and let him in at 1030 at night. 
I'll get a call from somebody else from, you know, our, our produce distributor at midnight and they're calling from the warehouse saying, Hey, we never got your order. What is it? <laughs> so, um, and just little things like that. You got to learn how to manage time when you definitely need to be getting things done when you need to take a little time off and catch your breath. Uh, you know, thing, things of that nature. Okay. So for the, for the remainder of the pot, I want to I want to try and get back into into some UCSB stuff because, I mean, I I like being reminiscent. I'm a, I'm a sentimental person, and I know that when my time is done at UCSB, that I'm going to be looking back at things. And I think with all the things that we talk about with alumni weekend, like there's reasons why people come back. There's reasons why people want to interact with their former teammates, their former friend, I mean, not former friends, <laughs> their current friends who maybe they don't see on a regular basis anymore. They want to come and, and see the stadium. They want to come and see campus or go into Ivy. They want to reminisce about games and, and amazing things that happened when they were in school. And there were some pretty cool things that happened at UCSB with the team when you were here and you spoke about, at least earlier, uh, off air about this Long Beach series and mm -hmm. Long Beach proud baseball history. And they've had some pretty good players but back in 2004. They had guys like Jared Weaver and, and Troy Tulowitzki playing on that team. And you guys right. went down and, and did a number on them. Yeah, we did. That's a, that's a series that I will absolutely never forget. Uh, as long as I live uh, 2004, uh, I was a redshirt freshman uh, Long Beach State had what was arguably the most talented team in the country that year. Uh, they were ranked third in the in all the polls at the time. We went down to Blair Field. They had Jared Weaver uh, as their Friday night guy, and Jared Weaver that year was by far and away the best pitcher in America. Um, I don't care what conference, uh, what division we're talking about. Jared Weaver was the guy that year. Uh, and then, of course, it doesn't get any easier on Saturdays because they had uh, Cesar Ramos, who pitched in the big leagues for a long time. And on Sunday, they had Jason Vargas, who uh, pitched in the big leagues for a long time. Troy Tulowitzki was their shortstop. Sean Boatwright was their first baseman. Um, they had just a ridiculous team that year. Everyone thought they were a shoe-in to get to the College World Series. And so we went down to Blair Field in 2004. Uh, Nobody really was giving us much of a chance. Here comes UCSB. Uh, I think everyone thought it was going to be an easy sweep for Long Beach. And this is when Blair Field was rocking, too. They had sold-out crowds every night. Uh, it was a raucous environment. Uh, I don't think they were actually serving beer in the stadium back then, but everyone was drinking beer in the stadium back then at, at Blair Field. Uh, and here we are facing Jared Weaver. There's... 35 scouts and, and GMs in the stands. Uh, and so we find ourselves down uh, four to nothing in the ninth inning, uh, Friday night at Blair. We managed to load the bases in the ninth inning with two outs. It's kind of your classic story, right? There's two outs in the ninth inning, the bases are loaded. Uh, well, that's actually literally what happened. And I will never forget uh, their coach goes out for a mound visit because Weaver's getting a little tired. They end up leaving him in. And Nate Sutton, our third baseman at the time. Uh, and, you know, you, after a mound visit, you just like you've seen a thousand times, Kevin, 
Yeah, you most likely tell the pitcher, okay, try to get ahead here. Let's get ahead 0-1, right? And so Weaver throws a fastball in there, and Nate Sutton turns on this fastball from Jared Weaver and hits it into the dead of night at Blair Field. And this is the old Blair Field, Kevin. This is before it's deep. They really deep. They built the current fence and moved it in about 20 feet. It was still the old cement brick wall back there. And a marine layer is coming in, of course, at Long Beach, at Blair Field. There's no such thing as a home run on Friday nights at Blair Field in 2004, let alone in the ninth inning at about 10 o'clock at night. Well, old Nate Sutton goes up there and hits a ball into the dead of night and ends up going off the scoreboard for a grand slam. And we tie the game in the top of the ninth inning. I'll never forget the stunned silence of their dugout and every single fan, except for our little section, basically of parents at the very top of the stands there at Blair. And our dugout is just going absolutely bonkers because Nate Sutton just hit a grand slam to tie the game off of Jared Weaver. Uh, and then we go up there and one of our guys hits a solo home run, another home run ironically on Friday night at Blair in the top of the 10th inning. And we went five to four Friday night. We went on to win the next two games, uh, including the game I started on Sunday, uh, again, against Cesar Ramos and Jason Vargas uh, to sweep the, the dirtbags who were ranked third uh, again in the country that year. Uh, I'm not going to say we had no business going down there and sweeping them because obviously we did, but I don't think even we thought we were going to go down there and, and get two out of three, let alone come home with a sweep. And, and so that was one of the most memorable game, series the whole weekend uh, that I've ever been a part of. Wow, I wish you could have been there. That sounds like a blast. It, it was a blast. Uh, anytime you can silence the dirt bags and a bunch of their fans, it's a blast. <laughs> yeah, and and Blair. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for cool stadiums, and my dad went to high school at Woodrow Wilson across the street, so uh-huh. I've heard of Blair Field before I came to UCSB. And hearing uh-huh. that story, pretty cool. And knowing yeah, that Jared Blair. Weaver, I remember playing a PlayStation Two, the the college baseball game, yeah, on PlayStation, and Jared Weaver was on the cover. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, like I, that's cool. That's growing really cool. up in in Southern California playing baseball. Blair Field is always one of those places that you you kind of dream of playing at. Uh, you know, obviously kids dream of playing at Dodger Stadium or Angel Stadium, but Blair Field is iconic in Southern California baseball because of things like the Area Code Games, and they have a bunch of travel ball tournaments there. Uh, you know. The, like you mentioned, the history of baseball at Long Beach State. It's where the Dirtbags played. Uh, and so going in there as a, as a member of the, the UCSB Gauchos uh, and sweeping three games from those guys was just it's, – it's an iconic memory for me. Okay, so and then another thing you mentioned, 2005, and, and I'd heard about this and we celebrated this uh, a couple years ago, I believe, the, uh, the Chris Mallett game. So – yeah. I mean, baseball's got, I mean, there's, there's so many elements to it, but sometimes it's, it's beyond belief. Well, you know, baseball's full of stories, right? And they're all good. Um, Chris Malik, one of the best teammates I've ever had. One of the best guys you're ever going to meet. Uh, current head coach at Santa Margarita High down in Orange County. Go Eagles. Um, he, uh, he battled testicular cancer in 2005. He was our starting second baseman slash shortstop uh, happened to stumble upon Lance Armstrong's book and read it uh, and checked himself because of that. And turns out 
he had testicular cancer. And so that whole 2005 season, he was going uh, in and out of chemotherapy treatments. Uh, some weekends he was available to play. Some weekends he was just not, he was at home. He couldn't even come to the field. He was feeling uh, so poor. Uh, we all wore, you know, the yellow live strong bracelets that whole season for him. Um, and one of the weekends was uh, ironically again against Long Beach state. Uh, it was his first time back after a round of chemo. Uh, he couldn't play the whole game. He was not available for nine innings or anything like that, but he was available for, for one at bat. And he goes up there uh, pinch hitting against Long Beach state and ends up hitting a home run uh, to give us a win on a Friday against Long Beach. Uh, and it was one of those things that you just didn't even think was real. Um, he, he was definitely not a hundred percent. I don't even know if he was 80 or 90%, but he was good enough to go give us one at bat. And, and if you've ever interacted with Chris, you know that he could be 20% and he's going to try to go out there and play, uh, because he wanted to be there for us. He wanted to be there for, for UCSB. He wanted to, be there for the coaches. Uh, he didn't want to sitting at home tore him up uh, when, when we were playing or when we were, had to go on the road without him. It absolutely ate at him inside. And so he wasn't going to not take an AB if Bronze asked him, are you good enough for an AB? And so he goes up there, hits a home run. And that, that picture is still actually in the, uh, the ICA building there. If you ever walk through the hallway, yep. and you see that picture of him, that's, that's the moment it happened. And um, he hit a, again, pinch hit a home run first at bat back from chemotherapy uh, against the dirt bags. And uh, it, again, uh, something I'll absolutely uh, never forget. Uh, I remember in 2007, my, uh, my first full season of pro ball, I was in Asheville, North Carolina playing for the tourists uh, in the South Atlantic league. And Chris was in the same league uh, in Charleston. He was playing in the minor leagues for the Yankees. And uh, we got to talking about that day. Um, coincidentally, I faced him twice that day and hit him with a pitch both times. <laughs> you know, we talked about pitching inside <laughs> earlier. But uh, so he made me take it off for a couple of beers after that game in retribution. But um, it's, again, something that y you can't write a script like that. Uh, and so living it was was surreal. Um, that's That's all you can really say about it. And I keep telling all these stories about Long Beach and, you know, one, one thing that, you know, we like to hang our hats on, you know, you mentioned the core group of guys earlier. Uh, we went seven and two against Long Beach in our, my three seasons. And um, that, that's something that we'll, we'll always be proud of because Long Beach, a program they're you know, they were down last year. I know they started off well this year, but when we were there, always in the top 25, uh, historically very good program. They've been to Omaha before. They've hosted regionals and super regionals at Blair Field. And so to never have lost a series against those guys is, is something we like to hang our hat on. Well, you covered a lot of stuff there. A special, special, special moment for Chris Malik. I mean, when I heard the story, I couldn't believe it. And a special group of guys, 7-2 against Long Beach State. That's, uh, that's very, very good, uh, <laughs> to say the least, especially when you're beating – Jared Weaver and and Tulo and, and and those guys like yeah it didn't get any easier after 04 either because in 05 <laughs> Evan Longoria came strolling in Longo uh, and that's he right in the Long Beach State so it wasn't necessarily any easier after 04 but we still got it done 
Well, just like you can't script the Chris Malik's homer, you you can't script this podcast. I had I had no idea that you you would face each other in pro ball and and you'd hit him. So I'm glad that I started the pod off. But... Every time I see him to this day, he still reminds me of it. <laughs> well, to finish off, I wanna I wanna hear one good IV story or one good story about just life at UCSB when you were there. You know, life at UCSB, I think, is is obviously unique, um, whether it's because of where the campus is right there on the ocean, whether it's because of IV. And I mean, what other college town in America is like Isla Vista, right? You pack 15,000 UCSB students into a couple square miles there. Um, everyone's riding their bikes onto campus. Uh, <clears throat> I'll never forget my official visit I took as a high school senior to to UCSB, uh, you, you walk around Ivy for five minutes and it's like, yeah, I'm coming here. <laughs> you know, um, you see good looking people walking around and riding their bikes onto campus. You see places like Freebirds and Woodstocks and the study hall and Sam's to go. There's, there's people sitting on the bench tables, drinking pitchers of beer on a Tuesday afternoon at, at Sam's to go. And you're like, Hey, this, this is pretty awesome. You know, why doesn't everybody want to come here? Um, but then you look at just what student athletes have to do also, because look, UCSB, like, you know, Kevin, it's a, a tough, tough academic institution. It's not easy to get in. And even once you're in, it's not easy to, to get through and, and graduate. You, it's a place you got to go to class. It's not, I, I won't name names of other universities or colleges, but you know, you got to go to school and you got to do your homework at UCSB and not every uh, place where guys might play baseball uh, is like that. Um, guys have to be held accountable. Um, you got to go to class, you got to do your work and then you got to go to the field or, or to the weight room uh, and, and take care of business there too. So it's definitely a juggling act at UCSB. Um, yeah, you got to be a student in addition to the athlete part. It's not like a couple other schools a little further south of us in the Big West Conference. Um, and so that's just something that I think is a point of pride for, for the alumni. I hope it's a point of pride for the guys on the team now, knowing that they're getting it done at one of the, the best academic institutions there is, uh, in addition to obviously playing baseball at a very high level uh, the last uh, several years with the trip to Omaha and the trips to regionals and hosting a regional. And I mean, I feel so bad for the kids this year, having started 13 and two and, and having their season cut short. Uh, I was really looking forward to seeing what they were going to be able to accomplish this year, especially having lost all those guys from last year's uh, big West conference title team. Um, but uh, to back up just a little bit, like I said, living in IV and going to class and being a baseball player or any player and any of the other teams for that matter, it's not easy. And uh, it's just something that I think everyone who is able to accomplish it uh, should be proud of uh, walking away with a diploma from UCSB. Uh, my diploma is actually hanging in my office here at home. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's definitely a big accomplishment and something that people should be proud of. And, you know, IV today is a little different than it was when I was there in the early mid 2000s. Uh, there was no stoplight in front of Freebirds, for example, when I was there. It was just 
a free for all on every, on your bike. <laughs> well, that's and, that one. That one's pretty new. That that came in yeah. last year. So I, I saw that at alumni weekend. We may or may not have been on our way to or from the study hall before the alumni game, but I noticed that stoplight and uh, I was like, "Oh man, it's like the 21st century all of a sudden in Ala Vista. It's crazy." But yeah, just cruising around and you know, IV back then was a place that you didn't necessarily worry about bad things happening. Uh, not that the kids today have to worry about that, but uh, you could cruise to the, over to the water polo house and you could cruise to the, to the soccer house and the volleyball house. And I think that was something that was really cool too back then was we were close with a lot of the other student athletes too, <clears throat> the, the men and women on all the other teams. And we hung out with the water polo guys and uh, the basketball guys and the girls from the volleyball and soccer teams and all the student athletes were really supportive of one another, which I thought was really cool. You know, we went to soccer games and basketball games uh, as a group, as a baseball group. And a lot of those guys came to our games too. And <clears throat> I always thought that was really cool. Uh, we weren't just the baseball team and, and everyone else can fend for themselves. It was all the student athletes, I think got along really well. And I hope that's still the case. I think it is probably at UCSB, but again, just a unique place. Uh, got to go to class, got to get your work done. Um, and, uh, it's not easy and, and it's something people who are able to accomplish it should be proud of. Yeah. And it's, it's a balance. It's, it's a balance that preps you for adult life, for the, for owning a business, for working for a corporation, for going on and doing as some of the coaches that I've worked uh, under say a, a big boy job, you know, it's, and it's all yeah. about balance. Life's all about balance. And, and I do agree with you with life and IV, at least in, in my experience when I was a student. I mean, being a, I wasn't a player, but I was a student manager. And from kind of a, a non-player's perspective, you know, everyone was welcoming. You know, I went to all the, there were similar events like, like you described where the water polo teams are living somewhere and everyone's hanging out there one day and then the next day they're hanging out with baseball players, with the basketball players and whatnot. And it was yeah. a welcoming group through and through, you know, in, in any manner. It, and that was one of the coolest things as far as my, my experience as a student where that I still value. It's the social part of it. It's, it's the, the group, it's this collection of people from different places, from different backgrounds that are in this one place that are, socializing and seeing each other as equals. And I thought that was a really cool part about being at UCSB and living in Isla Vista. 100%. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a place that you can go and, and like you just mentioned, meet people from all the different walks of life. <clears throat> and in Isla Vista, you're living right on top of each other. And so you have no choice, but to get to know those people, get to know your neighbors, get to know the people living across the street from you, get to know, the people living one wall over in your building. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's, it's just a unique thing. You don't see it all the time in at different uh, college towns. Like I said, there, there's nothing really like UCSB. Um, oh, here we go. My, my son Brooks, my two-year-old just walked in. Hi, buddy. Future Gaucho. By the way, Coach Checkets, if you hear this, he's still waiting for a phone call. He, uh, <laughs> he just turned two back in April, and, and he's starting to – take some left-handed hacks at his little tee outside. So, you know, you better get on the phone. Does, does he throw left-handed too? Uh, you know, to be determined on that one. He, he tends to do it with like one of each right now as two-year-olds do. 
but um, he uh, he he's ready. Checks. He, he you know he's ready for your phone call. Class high school class of twenty thirty five as of now. Yeah, we'll, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. Okay, so one last thing. I know that Bob Bronsma has been a special figure in your life. I mean, of course, he he brought you to UCSB. He put you on the mound, and he's been a supporter of you beyond your baseball career. And getting to know Bob and working with him on this podcast and working with him in the office and doing facility stuff and also on the broadcast, I mean, he's become a mentor of sorts to me as well. But do you want to speak towards Bob Bronsma's impact in your life as a, as a baseball player and as a, uh, as an adult? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Bronce is the one who, like you said, gave me a shot. He, he recruited me when I was in high school and, um, you know, I had some other offers, but Bronce, you know, always stood out to me as someone that I wanted to play for. Um, we mentioned all the reasons kids would want to come to UCSB before, whether it's <clears throat> the beautiful campus or IV or the academics. Uh, but for me, Bronce was a big, big part of why I wanted to come to UCSB also. Um, great, great players coach, always really cared about us. Um, was always there uh, if we needed anything, whether it was on the field or off the field. Uh, you know, he came to my wedding when uh, my wife Larissa and I got married back in 2015. Uh, has been to a number of guys' weddings over the years that I've been to, and so it's clear that everybody still really holds a bronze in high regard in terms of all the guys that played for him. Um, like I said, he gave me a shot, and I'll always be grateful to him for that. You know, we we played as hard as we could for him because uh, we we felt like we owed it to him. Uh, and I think he did a the best job anyone could have given the circumstances he was under. You know, we mentioned what the facility looked like before, uh, even when I was getting recruited, um, my senior year of high school. The facility was nothing really to write home about, uh, and that was no fault of his own. And I think he did the best job he could kind of given the hand he was dealt. You look at that 2001 team he put together. That was one of the better teams that uh, was around that year, 2001. You look at all the guys that got drafted and ended up playing in the big leagues from that team. They got they were dealt a rough hand in regionals of having to go to Notre Dame that year, and they dealt with thunderstorms in that regional. And But, uh, you know, so he put together a lot of good teams. Uh, had a lot of good players come through. Uh, and I think he really uh, did a good job of sort of laying a foundation uh, for what the program could be, whether it's facility wise or the type of players he brought in. He brought in a lot of good people to play for him, uh, surrounded us with, with good teammates and uh, was just a generally really caring guy. Loves UCSB. There, there's zero doubt about the fact that he loves UCSB and loves UCSB baseball. And so I really enjoy uh, hearing him call games with with you or Jerry now, I think he does a great job on it. Uh, so it's I really enjoy hearing his perspective on what's happening on the field now, and uh, I'm glad to to see he's continued to stay well. And I enjoy seeing him whenever I'm back on campus. And he's just like I said, he's one of the big reasons I came to UCSB. Yeah, and Bob, uh, he'll be on this podcast a couple more times at least, and. 
you know, I'm, I'm trying to give him his due. And I mean, he's a big reason why the program is where it is today. I mean, he was successful and laid a lot of groundwork and, and he helped get the clubhouse and the cages there, you know, with, in partnership with you, with your family. And he has supported the program in so many ways, you know, beyond being head coach and he's still a heavy contributor today. And he's a, a gaucho through and through. So Andy Graham, I, I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, we cover some good stuff. I mean, we talk about Chris Malik, we talk about Bob, we talk about uh, the Long Beach series, the contributions of the Graham family. I think this has been a productive podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Would you not agree? You know, I would agree. I don't have <clears throat> all the podcast experience in the world, but I'll tell you what, Kevin, if you're satisfied, then I am satisfied. <laughs> and uh, I just want to tell you before we sign off here that uh, I really enjoy listening to you on the radio too. You do a very good job uh, calling UCSB games, uh, especially from the road. And uh, I tune into you as often as I can during the season and keep up the good work. You do, you do a wonderful job on the broadcast. Thank you, Andy. I really appreciate that. It's, it's a lot of fun and I care about it. So it means a lot. Thank you. And don't forget to remind Checkets that he owes my son Brooks a phone call. All right, Brooks. Yep. He'll, he'll be on the bump on uh opening 20, night 2036 2036 20, opening night that's right under the lights yeah it'll be <laughs> check it's uh 30th year or so at the helm <laughs> all right andy graham uh you're the best thanks for coming on you got it kevin thanks buddy All right, thank you to our sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen. Don't forget to check out the Gauchos on social media as well, UCSB underscore baseball. Check out the pod, UCSB Gaucho 9 podcast on Instagram. And uh, thank you, Andy Graham. I thought that was a lot of fun, uh, reminiscent about the, the early 2000s. And again, uh, Jared Weaver, he was 15 and 1 in 2004. He was 14 and 4 in 2003. So uh, talk about how difficult it was to beat Jared Weaver and nonetheless uh, beat him at home at Blair Field. Uh, they've done a lot of renovations to Blair to make it a little more hitter friendly, but boy, it was it was cavernous back then in 2004, and beating him was no small feat. So, uh, and also going seven and two against those dirtbag teams, that's a, a great accomplishment, and uh, it's no wonder that Andy uh, recollects those games so well. And uh, again, the, the the Chris Malik story, so cool. I pass that picture every time I go into the ICA to the office, and I'm reminded of that great moment. And then uh, this week, the Gauchos released the the video on Instagram about the 2016 season. That was made by Larissa Graham, Andy's wife. And I've, I thanked her before, but this is another way to thank her again. Uh, it was a lot of fun putting that together with Larissa. And uh, we thank her for, for her work. And uh, good luck uh, with Brooks and Paradise Bowls. You can check out Paradise Bowls in Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, and Irvine. The Gauchos will be visiting very soon. And then another big thanks to the Graham family for their contributions to the program, the batting cages, the clubhouse, which were put in under Coach Bronsma, and then uh, their con contributions to the Light Project. Uh couldn't have been done without them and the rest of the contributors. The lights are great, and we look forward to using them in full in 2021. So I'll do it for the pod for this week. 
not exactly sure, haven't decided who I'm going to put on for this Sunday, but there will be a podcast on this Sunday. So stay tuned for that. And until then, keep being socially distant, keep being smart, keep learning, educating yourself, and go Gauchos. Talk to you on Sunday. See